you will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B O D I dot com. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Hello, everyone. We have the guest today. This guest, you may know him from his vulture recaps. You may also know him from his gawker days, but you may also know him <laughs> as a New York Times best-selling author. Brian Moylan is joining us today. We are talking all about his book, The Housewives, The Real Story Behind The Real Housewives. I just love that title and also love the cover of the book. But we're here to dish on this book. And if you haven't already, it's not too late. You can purchase this book. We will include a swipe up. You can search Amazon. You guys know how to get books. It's pretty easy these days. But get his book. It's a delicious summer read. It's also an audible. I do. I'm a big audible person. And it is great for when you're doing little like strolls, those moms pushing a stroller, this book will be the best thing you listen to on a walk. And truly, I mean, we're going to let Brian speak, I promise. And this is like the (laughs) longest introduction, but truly this book, if you guys love housewives, obviously, because you're listening to this show, but it's to me, like if there is supposed to be a school of housewives one-on-one, if there's a one-on-one class, this would be the required book to read. So Brian, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here to talk about this with you guys. I'm so, I'm so, so excited. Okay. After reading the book. So we will tease some things from the book as we ask questions. So if you haven't read it, you'll be able to follow along. But again, if you want all of the tea, read the book. I need to know, first and foremost, are you blackballed from Bravo? Well, so... (laughs) When um, I was writing the book, uh, I had always had a good relationship with Bravo. Most of this is in the book, but for your listeners who haven't read it yet. Um, And so I told them like, hey, I'm going to write this book because I know that every time a real housewife does an interview about the show, they need to ask permission from Bravo even after they've left. And so um, I told them because I knew if I didn't tell them they were going to start hearing from it when I started asking for interviews. So um, we talked about pairing up and then they eventually offered to partner up and like help promote it and give me interviews, but they wanted 10% of the sales of the book and complete editorial control over the book and its marketing. And so my editor was like, you're crazy. And um And so they emailed every housewife and producer, et cetera, and told them not to talk to me. 
So, and then I was, um, and this was like, I've been working on the book maybe like two, three years it, um, it took like to come out and everything. Um, and so, and then I was going to go to the first BravoCon and Vulture, where I write the recaps, wanted me to cover it. And they called and asked for a press pass. And Bravo was like, Brian is not welcome here. So I just bought tickets to BravoCon. And I went in a disguise so they like couldn't throw me out. Um, but so since the book has come out and they announced the second BravoCon, I got an email from Jennifer Geiser. I think it's her last name. She's like the head of PR at Bravo. And she attached the press release for the new BravoCon and said, at least you won't have to sneak in this year. And so I don't know that if, if like I'm officially invited, but I guess I at least won't be thrown out. So <laughs> That's what I was kind of itching to know, because truthfully, like reading the book, you're you give a very fair point of view. But I honestly don't think you say anything like horrible about the network, like nothing you said to me was like so shocking that I would want to stop watching Bravo, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And, and like everyone I talk to, you know, it's like people have their issues with it. It's like everybody hates their job a little, you know, or thinks that things could be done better. But everyone I talked to was like, oh, it's great to work, but here are the problems. And so it's, not, and it's not like I'm concealing any dirt. Like I really couldn't find any. And I wish there was more, <laughs> I, you know, I wish I had all the stories to share with you, but sadly I don't, but yeah, they just want really want to be able to control everything. And it's so weird. Like they didn't want me working on the book. They blocked the story. I was, um, I wrote a story for the New York times once COVID started about how reality shows were doing reunions and they wanted me to talk to Bravo. And I told my editor at the times, like, Hey, I have this kind of, sticky relationship with Bravo right now. So she called and they were like, yeah, if Brian's writing the article, we won't participate. And so, um, yeah. And so I wrote the story with everybody else, but Bravo, but, um, yeah. So I, uh, a publication has asked me to do something with Bravo's help and they were supposed to talk to Bravo. So I'm waiting to hear back whether or not the fatwa has been officially lifted, but they still like gave me screeners for episodes, sorry, recaps, like, I still interviewed Andy Cohen for his Watch What Happens Live like 10 year anniversary. So it's so like weird and arbitrary and um, and probably saying this is going to get me totally canceled. Who knows? No, I don't know. so your relationship <laughs> status is it's complicated. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. And yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm a huge fan of what Bravo does. And like, as critical as I am of it, like they make a great product, obviously. Like we've devoted so many years of our lives to it. So you know, even if I might disagree with some of their policies, it's obviously working. So what do I know? I'm just some dude who makes me jokes on the internet. So <laughs> that's what we do too. You're good. <laughs> You're in good company. <laughs> You're yeah, in exactly. good company. Okay. So during your book, there's so many juicy bits. What, what was the most fascinating part for you? Like when you found out something, was there anything that you were like thoroughly surprised by? I was surprised by how much research Bravo does um, into the women and how people feel about the women and uh, and just the research they do in general. Like I knew, obviously, they're looking at ratings and the money they're making, but they're looking at which cities should have housewives, where the housewives should go on trips, which women people like and don't like, and um, and using all of that to make decisions based on the show. And I found that to be fascinating. I just kind of figured that they, it was more of a creative process, but it seems very, 
data-driven, numbers-driven, and they're paying a lot of attention. And, you know, I, I wish I could tell all those people like that hate people on Twitter, you know, that send hate tweets to housewives that, oh, be nice to them. You're not doing anything. No one's listening, but um, Bravo is listening. And <laughs> so, I mean, hate tweet away, question mark? I don't know. <laughs> And I mean, and I think that's the power of the fandom too, because yeah. we do at times feel heard in a way, yes. in a weird way. We feel heard from them. Um, so it's just kind of I thought the I thought those pieces were interesting. I was mainly intrigued. I was intrigued by your whole book, but I was, you know, the pieces that I wasn't aware of is, you know, the interview process, like the really the behind yeah. the scenes stuff. So those are the things that diehards like to know about. But let me ask you this, for such thorough background checks, so you kind of walk through the background <laughs> checks that they do. Right. Why don't they check social media? Because we've seen all these things come up, like the Vanderpump Rules casting. 100%. Like, there's so much shit that comes out from social media. And can't they just like go through social media and search like N-word, <laughs> uh, you know, F gay word, uh, you know, like check a, a handful of slurs and see what's going on. Yeah, I have no idea. And that's the thing is, you know, now internet slews are going to find all of that. And I have my Twitter set up to like automatically delete every so many months because I mean, God knows what awful jokes I made 10 years ago when I first joined Twitter. I mean, even longer than that. So yeah, I I have no idea why they don't. Um, or why, if you're going through should. it, I feel like if I went through it, I would scrub my social media as well. Because just like I, I'm not a perfect person, I'm sure I said something ten years ago that I would never say now, and I've you know forgotten about it over time. But yes. I would go back and look and delete all that stuff if I'm going to put myself out there. I'm shocked that some of these people just think like, oh, it was so long ago, no one's going to care. Right. Or they just don't even, they just think like, oh, I never would have done that. And now it's like, oh, the rules have changed in the <laughs> 10 years, like since social media has been around. Um, or maybe they just forget how to, who knows. But yeah, that would be the first thing I would do. Even if I was going on like Survivor, or The Bachelorette or like anything where I'm just going to be in the public eye. Like, yeah, it's like porn. Like <laughs> once you've done porn, if you get any attention whatsoever, people are going to find it. So yeah, so take I have note, not Bravo. done porn. Yeah. <laughs> Let the but record I, show. <laughs> I am not averse to it. I'm not saying no. <laughs> I'm just saying I haven't yet. I like the yet. Yeah, yeah. you're leaving like giving us leaving us wanting more. So I I, I like that. When okay, I was so a gawker, I used to joke that I was going to like preemptively leak my nudes, <laughs> like so that at least like good nudes would be out there. Like rather than some like crappy picture I took on Snapchat, at least it would be like a very flattering nude. But no, I oh, like that. Well, speaking, bad, of nudes, yeah. speaking of nudes, <laughs> so Marlo being a former sex worker, is that really why she's an SBAC? And is it because she wouldn't admit to it? Like, I just don't understand the beef with Marlo. A person I spoke to who worked at Bravo for a number of years in a very high level position said that somebody who was even higher up than this person said, um, the reason why Marlo won't get a peach is because she used to be a hooker. And, um, and yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if that is officially the case, but someone very well placed at Bravo 
told me that. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because that, I mean, and I feel like now people wouldn't really care, but they're maybe worried about the brand of the housewives, or maybe she wouldn't be upfront about it or. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Crystal worked the call lines of an escort company <laughs> and she got to be a housewife. Maybe right. they're evolving a little. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Erica Jane worked in quote unquote yeah. bikini bars in New Jersey. I mean, and, uh, Melissa Gorga may or may not have been a stripper. So. I know. So it's just so fascinating to me because I feel like there's never been like a concrete answer. So when I read that part in your book, I was like, that's why. So it was just kind of interesting to me. So given the history and how iconic this particular housewife is, and I'm discussing the Nini leagues, she's what got me into Bravo personally. Yeah. Um, like the heyday and you'd have some chapters in your book about the glory days of Bravo, the heyday of Bravo, like Nini leaks dominated. I 100%. absolutely loved her. We still use, everyone still uses her gifts. She's, I feel like of any housewife, the most probably memeable gift using housewife there is. Um, but do you think she will ever come back to Bravo? Uh, I don't think she has a chance now because of uh, everything that she said after she left. But I also know that um, a lot of the women, like the Ninis, Bethany's, Tamra's, Vicky's, you know, the people who are on for a long time, especially Nini, who had, was making almost more than anybody. It was like her and Candy at the very top. I think that she became too expensive. And I think she became difficult to work with, which is another thing that production is always like, why do I want you around? And I think the fans really turned on her because the last few seasons, she just didn't seem like she wanted to be there. And so I just don't think that they were getting their money's worth. Um, so I don't know if she would ever accept uh downgrade and pay i heard through not very reliable serve sources um that cynthia took a pay cut um for her, her last season or two um to come back so i mean i don't know but it doesn't seem like nini's gonna do that but i also am wondering how much power these women have outside of the franchise. Like Bethany seems to have done the best, but then who watched Big Shot with Bethany? Like Housewives fans weren't even really talking about it. And Lisa Vanderpump has had three shows this summer. And I mean, like a hundred thousand people were watching Overserved with Lisa Vanderpump, which is miserable. So yeah, I, I don't know that she's going to have a lot of leeway or opportunities to um, come back. That's my husband, Christian, who just came oh, in. <laughs> Hi, Christian. No, but yeah, no, I had that kind of thinking and thought too. I'm like, she was such an icon. And I think as Housewives fans, we kind of want people to leave, like have a, like a kind of an ending to their story. Yeah. And oftentimes we don't ever get that. Um, they either abruptly quit like Bethany did or Nini yeah. like abruptly quit. Like we don't always get to see like, I always want like a redeeming goodbye season. And I don't know that we'll necessarily get that with these women. Well, and I always liked Camille Grammer like post season two. It's like she had the awful first season. She had a redemptive second season. And then she's like, I'm just going to show up for lunch. 
And like, that's kind of what I want is like, I would love if Nini could be around and like come to, you know, uh, Portia's bridal shower and like be Nini and tell some jokes and then go off into the sunset. But I don't think that that's She'll really that. going to happen. I yeah. think some of these housewives, like Camille's the only one who capitalized on friend up. I think it is such a, everyone thinks of it as a demotion. I think it might be for some of them, the best position they can have because you don't become yeah. as hated and you really are. You come in, you stir up some shit and then we don't see you for three episodes. It's kind of like the perfect role. Okay. So this is another kind of in the weeds question that I have for you. Given production's involvement with wardrobe. Do yes. the women truly accidentally show up in the same getup? I'm like, looking at Rena specifically. <laughs> like, is that part of the storyline? Like that Kyle and Lisa happen to have the same outfit? I think they're more involved in wardrobe in like confessional interviews, reunions, uh, when they do like the holding the apple at the beginning of the credits, like those they all approve. I don't think they're approving outfits like for individual scenes. So I don't know if producers had anything to do with that, but I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe Lisa Rinna thought it would be funny. And yeah, um, yeah. and I think a lot of times um, the producers are coming from inside the house. I like to say like the women internalize what they think is good TV and they know they, they need to be on and they're trying to be funny and whatever. And so they just produce it themselves. So I, based on nothing, I have a sneaking suspicion that, I mean, it, two seasons in a row, the same exact dress, like it's. Exactly. That's kind of why I'm like, this is like a runner. This is her new thing. thing. This yeah. is like a runner yeah. thing in my opinion. Like, and of all the hundreds of episodes of Housewives ever, it's never happened to anyone else. And you do it twice in two seasons. Exactly. Like, exactly. It's not adding up. So when it comes to the trips, I loved the chapters regarding the trips. And I loved how you kind of introduced it from the questions from BravoCon, which the Q&As were on point. Um, Usually I hate a Q&A, but the BravoCon Q&As, I was like... You people know how to turn it out. I was very <laughs> impressed. I mean, yes, yes, we do. We like to get the tea. So I know um, when you talked about the trips, you basically kind of shared some insight there being that most of the time it's, they didn't give a concrete answer, but the way I interpreted it was that Bravo pays for the trips and will pay for the location. It comes out of a budget. Yeah. But if they if they're going on a trip, let's say for someone's like a certain occasion or something that that housewife may pay for it. They're paying for almost all of the trips. I think like they're paying for all the trips, but it's a combination of paying and getting things for cheap slash free. And so they're like working out deals with the hotels or, or you know, attractions and the hotels are saying like. Um, you know, we'll give you X number of rooms at X dollar, but, and you can have them on, you know, off season, like when they went to um, Rhode Island on Real Housewives of New York last year, it was like the off season in the middle of the week, you know? And so like, that's what they're kind of getting. Um, but, uh, what, but when they go to like uh, Dorinda's house, they also pay for that because they're paying for 
putting up the crew in a hotel near Dorinda's house, you know, so they get Dorinda's house for free, but they have to move production up there. And in that, in a lot of those cases, those hotels or whatever aren't going to be on the show. So they're paying like full price to put everybody up at Dorinda's house. So, and um, reading, or near Dorinda's house. So in reading that and kind of understanding that. So when you see, there's always like a conflict in the rooms, like as part of a trip, so there's always someone who's not pleased with the room. Most recently yeah. I'm thinking of Kenya, Kenya, when they went to new Orleans was like, Oh my God, I don't like this room. It's not big enough. I'm going to upgrade it. So when they're upgrading their room, they're truly paying out of pocket for that. I would assume because that's how it works with airplane tickets. Like some of the women who have been on longer have in their contracts that they get to fly first or business on the trips, as well as like the higher up producers. But some of the women, we saw this in an episode of Dallas, like Bravo will only pay for coach. And so if you want more, you have to pay. And so I assume that Kenya would be like, oh, I'm going to pay to upgrade and is paying her own money. But also I feel like if she's at the hotel and she's like, I want a nicer room and they have one available, they'd probably just be like, okay, like yeah, here, that's have a fair. room. So like um, her PJ, like anytime there's like a PJ involved, that would truly like Sutton and Kenya's PJ, like that's all on, all on them. Right. Yes. And um, they might get some kind of like kickback from Bravo based on, you know, what the budget is, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, but, uh, but when it comes to parties, what you were saying about the trips is, is totally on point. So it's like, if I'm going to have a business launch to launch my business, I'm going to throw it anyway, then I have to pay for it. But if Bravo is like, oh, hey, we need an F- we need an event this episode to get all the women together and we see your birthday is next week. Can we throw a birthday party? And then I say yes. And so then Bravo will pay to throw the birthday party. So this um, past season of Dallas, Bravo paid for like a ton of themed birthday parties pretty much. <laughs> Carrie's yes. 50th. Like I just remember, I've never seen so many themed parties in a season. And I know that has to do with the pandemic, but. Yes. Well, and I also feel that way about this trip to Ramona's in the Hamptons, where I think they were spending like the trip, but like Ramona decked out that backyard. Like that was not cheap. And I, I, and I know that Ramona is too cheap to spend all that money. So yeah. And, and uh, one of the producers I talked to said that they often don't even get reimbursed. They're just like, pay the production company, pay the production company. And so I know some women will, want to go over budget because then if it looks, if they stay within the budget and then it looks cheap, then everyone's like, why'd you throw a cheap party? So, but a lot of times, yeah, they're trying to get as much as they possibly can. And like when Ramona threw that birthday party of hers for her 60 best girlfriends who all looked exactly like Barbara Walters, um, she got a deal on that party from that guy who she went out to see. um, And she had arranged that deal on her own. Um, and so that was kind of outside of Bravo happening. Oh, Ramona. Oh, Ramona. Oh, Ramona. So yeah. if there is a wedding, so if someone's getting married and you kind of use this example, if someone's already planning that big life event, Bravo's not paying for that aside from like the crew and different things cost like associated with that. I think in some instances where um, the wedding is a special I heard of some instances of the women getting that wedding, if not totally paid for, mostly paid for. 
And I talked to someone who had a very well-known wedding that was a special that where their mother was asked to leave and they haven't spoken to the mother since then, um, that that wedding was entirely paid for by people other than the woman on the special. Mm, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> okay. So I don't Jax, know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm no, like, yeah, hypothetically, no, hypothetically, hypothetically, that scenario happened. Um, one yeah. thing that you brought to light and kind of blew my mind it was that the women have curfews on these trips. Cause we always, every time we're like, Oh my gosh, we want to see them having fun. Yes. Like we want to see the drunk parts and the drunk bits. Like, so that kind of blew my mind that they have curfews, but do producers, cause sometimes they'll show like video Some, footage of them. Yeah. Is that the women themselves usually? That's a, so it's um, the women don't have a curfew, but filming has a curfew. Oh yeah. So sorry. Like Thank at you. midnight. Big like, clarification here. Yeah. No, right. It's not like girls go to bed <laughs> because you're right. Like so many times that I've even said this in recaps, like you can't pay a producer to be up all night, like filming these women. And like, now we know the answer. And so I guess that's why you see them. Like when they go to Dorinda's, they're up all night with the women, as opposed to when they're in a hotel. Yeah. That's the women like taking and I'm sure now the producers are like, set up your camera in the corner and just like leave it and we'll see what's up. I don't know why they don't go summer house on those rooms and like stick up just a couple of stationary cameras and let it rip. But that's the you know, best. I guess footage. housewives. Yeah. I guess the housewives need some off time too. But you know, for some of them, I feel like that um, more authentic, like, just having fun, you know, guards are down. That's the part that's like maybe the most relatable for most of us, because like, yes. I'm not going to go to Lake Tahoe and stay in an 18 bedroom house, you know, with a chef and a full billiards room and all this stuff. But I do go on vacations and, you know, the after bars and like let loose. And that's always everyone's favorite part. So like, I feel like for some of these women, that might be what helps them stay longer is showing that stuff. Absolutely. And I will say that I went to Andale's with Vicki Gumbelson and it was really fucking fun. I like <laughs> so I can vouch for what's going on. So I'm really curious, you know, do you, you talked about, you know, you touch on all the big housewives throughout this book. And I know you're close with Erica from ghostwriting her book and she's uh, yeah. been, you know, a center of a lot of Bravo conversations lately. But do you, I mean, just putting it lightly, right? Do you think that Tom was foreshadowing or the new, like, because he basically told Erica she needs to do this show and, and needs to sign on. I mean, looking back now, knowing what we know, do you think he was trying to kind of help her financially? I don't know that he, I think he knew it was good for her career, um, as like the, as we called it in the book, the Erica Jane project, like mm-hmm. the, her kind of singing, dancing, musical, you know, whatever career. Um, I don't say whatever to diminish it. I just think it, you know, it's kind of multi-pronged yeah. what she was doing. And, um, and I think he was encouraging of that, but I don't think it was like, I, based on what I've heard from the news, this is not based on anything I gleaned from Erica or talking to her. I feel like he didn't ever think he was going to get caught. So I don't think he was ever worried about Erica being in a position where I think like 
Kelsey Grammer was clearly setting Camille up like, here's something to keep you busy and make you money because I'm cheating on you and I'm going to leave you. And I think that that is also what happened with like a Jules Weinstein, where it was like, I'm going to, we're going to put you on this thing and then I'm going to go away. Um, I don't think that was the case there. So I'm also really curious, you know, we, um, Vanessa and I, you know, have been around since the beginning. I remember Real Housewives of Orange County premiering. It was kind of like this odd thing. Like, we're like, oh, what is this? It wasn't typical with what Bravo was doing. And you talk about that a lot in the book. It like breaks my little Bravo heart and my geriatric millennial heart when I hear people be like, oh, I was like 10 when it premiered. So I've really only like, I came into um, Potomac and like Potomac is great, but like they've never watched the season one of OC. And I'm just curious, do you think like in interviewing different influencers and fans, do you think kind of the age plays a part in the way people feel about certain franchises because they might not have been old enough to remember the originals? I think so. And also I think that um, I, I met a woman, her name is Katie Henderson. She just graduated from Northwestern journalism school and she helped me do a bunch of reporting in the book, um, like calling all the restaurants that Housewives have been to and the hotels and stuff like that. And I'm, and she's 20. And, you know, so the Housewives started when she was like five and she's like a super fan. So I know like she's gone back and watched everything, but now watching Real Housewives of Orange County and I've rewatched a bunch of the original seasons when working on the book, it looks so cheap. It's so different. It moves so slow like I can't imagine like based on what it what just housewives look like looks like now at as well as reality television in general, what watching those old episodes would be like. So I think a lot of people go back, but it's not quite the same. And a lot of times I tell people like, oh, should I start watching the housewives? I'm like, just like pick it up. And like, because I think the show does a really good job of like showing you all the flashbacks and like hooking you up with all those things that happened in the past. And then if you really like it, you can go back. But yeah, I think it's strange. During the pandemic here in the UK, they put on the first two seasons of all the franchise on Netflix. So a lot of people started watching and some people were like, I don't know why you like this so much. And I was like, well, cause the first season of Real Houses of Orange County sucks, <laughs> you know, but like the first season of Real Houses of Beverly Hills is one of the best of all time. So maybe start with Beverly Hills. I do um, think too, there's like that progression. I almost feel like you had to have lived it. Like, yeah, if you go back now, yeah. you're like, this is awful. Why did I watch it? But like at the time there wasn't yes. anything like it. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, it was figuring out what it would become. And now it's like every season, it's like hits the same beats. It looks the same. They do the same things. I think in a great way. And that's part of what we love about it is almost like the ritual of it, like the rhythm of it. Um, And they didn't like have that in the early seasons. And yeah. And it's like you watch the first reunions. Oh, my God. They're like crazy. And they're one part, like everyone's now like, oh, it's going to be two parts or three parts. I'm like, it was always just one part. It was never a question. Like the first two part was groundbreaking. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) When it like meant something. Now it's like, oh, two parts of Dallas, two (laughs) parts of New Jersey, please. Can we do a half a part? (laughs) 0.5 part of the New Jersey reunion. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's ones like Summer House where I'm like, I could have done three. Like there are ones where I'm like, do they live? But, you know, they'll figure it out. 
Yeah. So we're seeing it now. We're kind of, I'm going to shift a little bit to like the future of Bravo. So we're seeing OGs leaving. We've, we've lost Vicky. We've lost Tamara. Nini's gone. Bethany's gone. You know, there's always conversations of like, is Ramona or Sonia going to be demoted to a friend of, I mean, kind of these pivotal people. Do you think that Bravo and kind of getting rid of some of the OGs, I hate to use the phrase aging out, but like, you know, originally they were supposed to be truly young housewives, younger moms. And once they're grandmas, it's a little bit of a different show. Do you think they're trying to appeal to a younger audience by getting some of these like younger, newer moms in and getting some of the OGs out? I think it's just that. Um, I think with someone like Ramona or Sonia, it, it's almost like their story has ended. You know what I mean? It's like, the, and I think that the dynamics amongst the cast like that, it's it's not going to change. It's not like Ramona and Sonia and Luann are going to hate each other or, you know, and, and I think that there does need to be something different. And the idea was always like 35 to 50. And you see with the new housewives, like, Leah, Ebony, Gina, Emily Simpson, like they're all in that age range. And I think that they have not more going on in their lives necessarily, but it's just a different place in their life, like where they're more concerned with their families and growing their businesses and things like that. Whereas, you know, Ramona and Luann and Sonia are established and their kids are away and they have their Hamptons houses and, you know, there's not much growth, I think, that's going to happen. And so I don't know that they're necessarily trying to appeal to a younger demographic because I think that they're hitting the demographic that advertisers want. And, you know, it's still some of the top rated shows amongst women in those demographics. But I think they're chasing um, the excitement a little bit. And, and from the casting directors I talked to, they are looking for women who are a bit younger. Um, and I think we've been seeing that in the cast. Uh, oh, oh yeah, around definitely. the franchise, yeah, and um, and yeah, and and so and but I've been thinking it's it's like I feel like Ramona and Sonia and Luann don't need to be Real Housewives of New York anymore, but there need maybe there's something else for them to do, like uh, <laughs> yeah, a Real Housewives retirement home show. I want like or something. a real, yeah, like a real life Golden Girls. And I like I put this out there, and someone's like, "That's insulting Golden Girls," which I do agree. Golden Girls, like amazing series, but right. I would kind of love seeing women that are kind of nearing retirement. Like, what are they going to do with their lives? How are they going to stay busy? Um, and the Golden Girls, when it started, were all younger. Than Ramona, Luann, and Sonia are currently. So <laughs> think about that. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, yeah, no, I I agree with you, and uh, because I think like if you have Leah and Ebony and you know Tinsley and people like that who are still trying to figure things out, you know, a more organic group of friends, I think that you'd have some of that more excitement and chalking for power, and we like you, and now we don't like you, and you know, fallings out and businesses starting and things like that. Whereas New York right now seems very settled. And I think that that's making it a little slower. Mm -hmm. So kind of my next question to follow up on that, and this is something I've longed for. um, Do you think when you think of the future of housewives, will we ever see a former kid become a housewife? And in my mind, Avery Singer is going to like a Hills moment where Ramona like goes to a party, Avery's there. 
Ramona walks away and like waves and Avery takes over. <laughs> this is what I envision. <laughs> I feel like, um, yeah, I think we definitely, especially on Jersey, because it's so much about family. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would definitely bring Gia in or, um, you know, one of, I mean, what if Frankie gets married to, you know, some hot young thing and then she's on the show? I mean, I could definitely see that happening. I always used to imagine the day that, um, you know, how several real world people have gotten married and have kids, like when one of their kids is then cast on the real world, like, (laughs) you know, it's like totally full circle. Yeah, I think we would totally end up seeing that. And I think that everybody loved that kids of Bravo, watch what happens live special. I mean, yeah, I would totally watch a Real Housewives Junior edition. Um, I think that would be fascinating. Well, especially for people like the Judice girls, literally have not had a life without the cameras around, at least part of the year. And what does that do to a person? And, uh, you know, and what does that turn them into and how do they want to look like, I'm fascinated by that. Like I want to follow the Judice girls for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Just like do a documentary every year. Just be like, okay, how are they, how are they doing now? Where are they now? Yeah. I think Teresa wants that to happen too. I mean, she's kind of like a real life Kris Jenner. Um, Well, like Kris Jenner is a real life Kris Jenner, but she has sort of (laughs) orchestrated this, like we're interested in her kids and I want to watch them grow up and I want to see what happens when Gia graduates college and tries to get a real job? Where is she going to land? What's she going to do? Like, we are very invested in this family. And I think it's funny to see, like, Gia and Melania clearly are like, we like the cameras. We want to be on the show. We want to do this. And Gabriella and Adriana are like, don't look at me. I No, thank you. When I'm on, I'm not going to talk. Like, and that, like, bifurcation between the two, I find, like, fascinating. And, and how they're all, like, coping with this, weird thing very differently. I, yeah, the dynamics of those four girls is just like, that could be a reality show on its own. Uh, it'd be probably like one of the top hits. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget Absolutely. Melissa's daughter. Oh yeah. Melissa's daughter too. She could be kind of woven in there. There's, I just oh think God, there's Antonia. so many, yeah, yeah, so many opportunities. And I just would love to kind of see this like passing of the torch. And I think they could do it in like a really cool way that like Sort of like when we first watched Vanderpump Rules and we didn't realize we were watching Vanderpump Rules. It just like yes. all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, this is a different show now. And I don't know. Yeah. I think our best shot was initially Brianna uh, in OC until she was like, no, thank you. I don't want this. Yeah. Um, but, and I'm sure she was probably getting paid like friend of rates oh, for I'm sure. a bunch of those seasons. Um, you know, I know Vicky negotiated that. Yeah. I know a, once they hit 18, a lot of them are trying to get money and and especially in jersey all the kids over 18 get kind of like a stipend and i know that one year um ashley uh jacqueline's daughter had like just turned 18 and she like took her money and was like bye i'm moving to la and just like (laughs) left with her stipend (laughs) so you know hey good for her so a few more questions before we wrap up i want to know what so i mean this project this book took you several years to write it and then you know years of being a fan and being interested yeah. what you know what do you do next where do you see what's your next project you're going to take on 
Um, that's a good question that I'm trying to figure out. I'm still doing, like, I'm still in the Housewives universe. I'm doing uh, recaps for Vulture. Uh, Vulture and I, timed with the book, restarted the Housewives Institute Bulletin, which is a twice a month newsletter with like news about the Housewives and recap highlights and I'm doing like kind of original stories and interviews and stuff. So you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives. Um, but I think I need a little like housewives break for a bit and just, um, you know, not, I was having dreams about the housewives like every night it was like getting really deep. So I think I'm going to take a little break from the housewives and, um, see what's up. I like that. Um, okay. So one more thing we can't, um, I'm going to put you in the hot seat for a little bit. Um, I'm ready. We have a little bit of a bone to pick with you on behalf of all the women in the Midwest. The wedge cut (laughs) helmet. So the haircut. You know what I'm talking about. You know, both of you (laughs) have seen it at Target every time you've gone. But I will say we're working on changing that. Like there's a younger group. We're coming in. We're fixing that haircut. So we just want to put that on record. But I knew exactly what you were talking about. I thought you were, I, I'm always like mean to Real Housewives of Chicago. (laughs) Like kind of, it's like now like a running joke. And every time people are like, don't come for Chicago. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea I had so many fans in Chicago. I look at it as like a compliment. You know, Andy gets asked this all the time. Like, why aren't you going to do the Midwest? And some people are like, oh, he'll do St. Louis because he's from there. And he said like growing up there, we tried, they've tried to do Chicago numerous times. At the end of the day, and I think of this as the biggest compliment, people in the Midwest are just typically too nice. It's not really one of those, like, I'm going to go tell on you to the entire world to be popular. So it just, it's not the right formula for a housewife franchise. I don't, I couldn't, I just don't ever see it in the Midwest. Well, and people always ask me, what, what city do you think should be next? And my answer is wherever you can find a good group of women, like who thought Potomac would be the best housewives? Who thought Salt Lake City would give us such a great cast and such a diverse cast, you know? And so it's like the next city could be Tulsa. The next city could be Walla Walla, Washington. I mean, I don't know, like it could be anywhere where you have a really good group of dynamic women with organic connections to each other. And, you know, you can do that almost anywhere. And I think that's the genius thing about The Real Housewives is that it's more, it's less of about a place and more about a state of mind. I don't know. That sounds like it's really something deep. you would read on a napkin <laughs> at Margaritaville, but. <laughs> well, Brian. Yeah, I'm workshopping yeah, this. <laughs> I love this. Uh, no, but I agree. I yeah. think, you know, it, it's not like when they announced Salt Lake at BravoCon, Everybody was like, oh, what? Like, this is what I rolled my eyes for sure. I just, yeah, yeah. I thought Andy was joking. And I was like, oh, no, he's serious. Okay. Yeah. Well, and people were like yeah. asking questions. They were like, what, like, what is this going to be? Like, I, people were not on board. And I will say, even leading up to, it, I'm like, we weren't sure if it was going to be good. I loved it. And, you know, I think everyone's excited for season two. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> even before Jen Shaw went to the slammer. <laughs> I, this, I, this is going to be wild. And I still like, I think I manifested this because right when they announced that her court date was going to be in October, I made a meme. I was like, all right, Bravo, let's do BravoCon this weekend. And sure as shit, they did. Like they know what they're doing. Oh my it's, God. I, that poor courthouse. That <laughs> people poor, are going to stay. Courthouse. I can't wait. Are you, so, I mean, are you going to try 100%. to attend BravoCon? I'm I'm going to try to attend. I'm going to try to purchase tickets, 
Um, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, last time it was dicey. I'm hoping now that they know that's, what's crazy is I feel like housewives fans are always underestimated and people underestimate how many of us there are and how much we love these shows. Even Bravo didn't have enough room for all of us at BravoCon. So yeah, I'm hoping this year though, it won't be as hard to get tickets. Abby and I if joke, I do get tickets. Abby and I joke because I think you un- underestimated how quickly oh. they would go. Like Vanessa's like, situation. yeah, she's like, I logged in right away. I'm like, oh, I just dropped off the kids. I'll be home in a second to buy tickets. And it was like sold out. I was like, what? Like I was floored. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And yeah. And everybody was like, oh, it's scalpers. Oh, it's bots, whatever. But then everyone who I talked to at BravoCon was like, oh no, I just logged on and bought my tickets. So I was like, oh, so we are that crazy. Okay. <laughs> Abby has Good a cool know. story. <laughs> we were like super nervous on her getting her ticket. I didn't even think to like buy her ticket when I bought mine, but so I bought mine on through the website and then we were like reaching out to housewives, like desperate. Cause we we're like, we're the real mom to Bravo. Like we both were a package. Like we can't right. both be there. So, and you know, and you shared this in your book and this is true. Like it was hard for even housewives to have extra tickets. Like it was, you yeah. know, for the employees to even have to pay for them. So Abby uh, eventually got her ticket and Abby, I'll let you share how you got. Your I mean, ticket. this is like the, I feel like the best story of the Bravo community. Cause these tickets, when you like the scalpers, there were a few of them. They were going like for yeah. what should have been $700. It was like 7,000. It's like, okay, I'm not like Oof. people aren't going to pay that, yeah. you know? And so we kept putting stuff out there. I, I like, you know, was any contest for a BravoCon ticket. I was, you know, signing up for it. And somebody reached out and said, I know someone who can't go to BravoCon. All they are going to, all they're asking for is what they paid for their BravoCon ticket. And so, I mean, I, this person didn't make a cent off of me and actually looking back on it, I think she lost money because she shipped it to me and paid for the shipping, but like, <laughs> what a great story. Right. I'm like, what a great story. She was like, I just want another Bravo fan to go and enjoy it as much as I would have. And there was part of the whispering, Aileen. Oh, whispering Aileen's. Yeah. That's how I yeah. like, heard about it, which that group can Ooh. get a little wild, but like great community. <laughs> oh, they're in the book. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> That's what happened to me. So I um, went to, I only got a ticket for Sunday and then I went to watch and I got a ticket for watch what happens live. And I went there and I just started talking to the woman next to me. And it turns out she's from a town like next to where I grew up in Connecticut. And we start chatting and then she's like, Oh, Hey, I had a friend who couldn't come. I have a ticket for Saturday. Like, and I paid her for it and I got her, we like texted and we just like kept texting and kept in touch. And I just went to Connecticut to visit my parents. And like, I had dinner with her and her daughter who are like huge Bravo fans and like, yeah. And like, and that's what was so amazing about this to me is people are like, oh, you got to meet the housewives, whatever. And I was like, actually the most fun I had was like when I went on vacation with Vicky and met all these like hardcore Bravo people and then ran into some of the same people at. BravoCon, and you know, it's like now I follow these people on Instagram, and I'm like still in their lives, and it's it, yeah, it's really amazing. Uh, they, I went and uh, hung out with Stephen Faces by Bravo by his pool in LA, got a sunburn. I mean, it's wild. I mean, internet <laughs> friends are the best friends. Like we've gotten to meet you. Yeah. Like if we weren't doing this, we haven't been connected to you. Like we've truly, it's hard to explain to people who are in this little bubble, but like we've met some of the coolest people. So it's been really fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, that's been like the best part. And that's what, you know, what I said when I started this book, like I want to write something that is going to answer all the fans questions. And I hope that I came close and 
um, Bravo couldn't stop me. So. <laughs> I love it. Well, you, well, I think they will in the future. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> the next book will not be about Bravo. You'll be like, they won't let it yeah. go to publication. Well, it was, I mean, yeah. for me, you know, we clearly have uh, researched and are invested in Bravo and I learn new things about it. I think the best thing about Bravo and you talked about the book, it's not necessarily that people want to argue, agree or disagree on like the women who they like and don't like. It's just having that conversation. So I think for any Bravo fan, it's like, yes. this is another conversation that you kind of get to hear someone else's perspective on all of it. And I, I, it's the best part. And I think a lot of times these days, a lot of the discussions we have, particularly online, it's like, if you don't agree with me, like you're an idiot and I hate you and you should die. Whereas it's like, okay, if you like Teresa Giudice, that's fine. I'm willing to hear your reasons, but um, I also know that you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, but we can have like discussions about these things and like disagree, but still like love the same thing and be part of the same community and like not have to be like jerks about stuff. Exactly. Well, everyone very eloquent. Not yes. be jerks about Let's just stuff. Just not be jerks. And not be all like uncool. Just be cool. <laughs> just be cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for coming on. Everyone um, who hasn't gone out and bought the book, you have to go get it. It is, as Vanessa said, Bravo 101. I would even say it could be Bravo 102. It goes a little deeper than what I think most people would have expected. And your research on it, and just the fact that you can tell in reading it, you truly care. This isn't someone who was, you know, it's not like someone came to you and said, you have to write this book. And you're like, oh, I don't even like Housewives. I mean, this was, you can tell it was a passion project and you can feel that passion in the book. Absolutely. It's a great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm so yes, glad. It's a great summer read. And um, thank you again, Brian, for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to leave us a quick rating. It's easy to do. Um, hit five stars <laughs> and write a written review. It honestly helps us get amazing guests like Brian on our show. The more visibility we have, the more visibility he has. Everyone, it's a chain event. So please help us make that happen. And with that, we will catch you next week. You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're Body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At Body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a Pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way, in a This workout is fun, and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy, and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are Body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com.